Taylor, Annie, and Julie here. Now, before we dive into this episode, we wanted to give you a quick heads up. You see, we recorded this conversation a few months ago, and as you know, the world has changed quite a bit in that time. However, the principles and strategies that we talk about in this episode are still very valuable, so we wanted to be sure to share this conversation with you. All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode. You're going to have to put in the time and the work, and it's really, really difficult. But I often say that passive income is built on the blood, sweat, and tears of active income. And for me, it was 10 years of blood, sweat, and tears before I really became completely you know, financially independent, able to leave my W-2, and, and doing really well financially. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, Julie, how is it going? It's going good, going good. How are you? I'm good. How are your kids doing these days? They're doing okay. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's doing good. Yeah. You know, um, my older son Kai came home with a, a note yesterday um, mm-hmm. that uh, so when they get in conflicts at school, they have them write letters to each mm-hmm. other, like apology letters, right? <laughs> so he came home with an apology letter from one of his friends, which I was mm-hmm. like, okay, good. You didn't cause the conflict. And then I read the letter. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the letter was like, I wish I had it here with me. I would read it to you verbatim, but... It was like, dear Kai, I'm sorry for putting my hand on your face. So I'm like, okay, okay, that's good. That's good. Okay. And then he goes, please don't point at me or try to lick my hand. I was trying to tell you to stop. I mean, how do you read that with a straight face? I mean, I was just like, oh my gosh, this is just... (laughs) That's so oh, funny. Kids. Kai's, Kai's always getting into fun stuff. He was, I mean, when we took him to, <laughs> we took him to Disney World and we're just, you know, taking a snack break. I turn around and there's this like, I kid you not, there's like this fountain in, in the middle of this space. It's like one of those big, like, marble balls, I guess, that's rolling around with the water, oh, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, yeah. And then all these other kids are like, playing with the water gently, you know, Uh maybe splashing. I turn around and my kid is like (laughs) licking the giant rock. Oh, God. And then he goes, Mommy, I was thirsty. I'm like, oh, "Oh." no. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I have like major OCD. I would have been like freaking out about that. Yeah. Oh, well, well, anyway, speaking of kids, our guest today, Anna Kelly, has not one, not two, but four kids aged from, I think her youngest one is eight and her oldest one is 16. And Anna has gone through just an incredible, incredible journey, starting out investing in real estate over 20 years ago, really getting hit hard by the, the recession in 2008, but then not letting that keep her down and really recovering from that and really achieving financial freedom in a relatively short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she is just 
so inspiring, you know, uh, just to listen to her talk and speak. It was, is so inspiring. And I've always been drawn to her on her Facebook posts and the things that she has to say. And she shared so many inspiring things on this episode. And one of the things that she said, a couple of things, but one of the things that she said is assets that pay liabilities, focus on getting those. And that's such a quick little thing to like keep in the back of your mind when you're about to shell out a few thousand dollars for whatever, a car Mm -hmm. or that fancy chair you always wanted or that vacation, you know, in the early days, focus on buying and acquiring these assets that pay your liabilities and you will be okay. And then it's at that point that once you've done that, that you can kind of move on and, you know, buy all those other things that you want to buy. But I love that she said that. And she also said that one thing that she's teaching her 16 year old is about delaying gratification, which I feel like is is so sorely needed today in the world that we live in because everything in you know having our phones at the in the palm of our hands is instant gratification everywhere we turn you know and so teaching your kids this idea of delaying that gratification like she did where she house hacked in the early days uh, and then you know worked really hard to build so that she could enjoy later on um, is such an important message that I feel like all you know everyone needs to hear even adults um, mm-hmm. you know to pass that on down to their kids. So yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Well, without further ado, here is our conversation with Anna Kelly. Anna, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you ladies today. Good. Well, we are thrilled to have you. We have tons to talk about, but let me start with this. So Many of the investors we work with and the people we speak to have gotten into real estate investing within the last, say, five or 10 years. But I know that you started over 20 years ago. So take us back to that time. You must have been, what, five? (laughs) (laughs) Young 20s. (laughs) So, you know, tell us a little bit about what led you to start investing in real estate at such a young age. Sure. So one of my um, first real careers outside of graduating college, I worked in a private bank for Bank of America. And so I, you know, was trained as a financial advisor and we basically handled the wealth of the top 10% of our bank customers, both business and personal customers. And as I was talking to them about the different products that our bank offered and the types of returns that we could, you know, generate for them in traditional investments, One of my investors who was an older gentleman laughed at me when I told him we could make him like nine to 10%. And I thought, you know, back then rates were really good. And I was like, well, what are you doing? He said, well, I invest in real estate. So I knew from that very first conversation that real estate was a way that I could maybe make bigger returns if I ever had enough money to do it. So I, as I, as time went on, I met more and more clients of mine who had real estate in their portfolio. So I knew that real estate was something that the wealthy invested in and that it was something that would sustain wealth and could bring in some cash flow and could fit in the asset preservation bucket. So I knew one day I want to own real estate, but I didn't really give it too much of a thought because I didn't have any money. I was just starting out. 
but I started making wiser decisions. So instead of renting a very expensive apartment in Houston, Texas, the first thing I did was I bought a condominium. So I basically house hacked without knowing that that's what it was, knowing that it's just wiser to own your property that you're paying down the mortgage and have a little cash coming in if I ever wanted to rent it out after I moved. So that was my first investment and what got me thinking about real estate as a real option. And tell us for for the listeners who might not be familiar with house hacking, tell us a little bit more about um, what that is. And also, have you done another house hack since then? I have. So house hacking is basically living in an investment property for some period of a time with the intention that once you move out, you would keep it as a rental property to provide some additional cash flow. So I did the condo um, in my young 20s. And then I, when I moved to Pennsylvania 13 years ago to start a business with my husband where he is from, we knew that it wasn't very wise to go into business with a whole lot of debt and to start new when my job was giving me a very temporary work from home trial, transferring my job from in an office in Houston to working from home in Pennsylvania. So we said, you know, if we start a business, and at that time we started a business with about $750,000 in debt in 07. Top of the market, thought everything was going to keep going really well. Little did we know it wasn't. But we decided it's not wise to buy another big house. We sold a big house in Houston and moved here. And so I said, just to be conservative and really careful, instead of throwing our money away and renting an apartment, why don't we buy a four-unit apartment building? Because I noticed a few of them were for sale in this area. And so I just knew that if I could have some rental income coming in to cover our expenses, that even if I lost my job and they didn't let it continue, our basic living expenses of housing and insurance and our mortgage payment would be paid for. And so we lived in a four-unit apartment building with two little kids for two years before we, you know, then moved on to another property. That's amazing. That's such a great story. And I think one that so many other people need to hear because of the potential, like what you just said, our basic needs would be covered like by making the right decision and the right investment at the right time in your life, as opposed to making the wrong investment, getting yourselves over your head into a home that you couldn't afford. And if something ever happened to you or your work situation that you wouldn't be able to afford to pay for that, except now you're in this situation where you don't have to worry about that. And that right there is like the secret and the power of, of real estate. Exactly. And not only did we house hack our own house, but instead of leasing space for my husband's new practice, we found a mixed use building that had the office space on the bottom and three apartments and four garages. So I said, you know, we can put thousands of dollars a month out in a lease or we could just buy something and then have tenants. So we just kind of full throttle went for having tenants just because we knew it would create some cash and help cover the expenses really without the thought of we're going to end up doing this full time. So we house hacked a house, uh, an apartment, house hacked a building. And then when we realized how powerful that rental income was, that's when we started. We rented a house so that we could start buying more and more rental property instead of buying a big house right away. So it's it, it was the power of that first house hack or two that really got us to start thinking about taking real estate serious as a full time investing um, proposition. 
Yeah. And that's so much of how Annie and I got start our start too, was we house hacked. That was the first thing that we did. Instead of going out there and buying a big fancy home, we bought something that we could afford. And then we house hacked and rented out the rooms to help offset you know, our obligations. And so it's such a great way in the early days to get started. For sure. But hold on. Tenants. Okay, let's talk about tenants for a second, because it sounds like you, all of a sudden, you know, pretty quickly, you acquired several tenants, not just, you know, you didn't just have a duplex and have one tenant, but you had multiple tenants, which means you likely had multiple leases. And, you know, you always hear those landlord horror stories where, you know, they call you at 3am with a toilet fix. And was it like that? Or, you know, what was what has been your experience as a landlord? In some ways, it really was, Annie. You know, when you live in the same building with your tenants, and where we're not living in luxury, you know, condominiums, we were living in a very, you know, C plus, B minus area in an older building. And so there were things that went wrong that we never could have imagined that could have gone wrong. We had one tenant that every single morning sat out on her back porch and smoked a cigarette. And it was like, she was just waiting for us to walk out the door with our kids on the way to work. And I need you to do this. And can you change my light bulbs? And can you change my fire alarm batteries? And we're like, no, you can do that yourself. You know, we're not here at your whim. So there, there is some of that that comes along with it, but the trade-off and the reward that we got from being able to have tenants was always so much more worth the the headaches that you have. Mm-hmm. And so for people that say, I could never be a landlord or I could never have tenants calling me. If you can create wealth by having tenants and having a few inconveniences every once in a while from your people, it is well worth you know the sacrifices or the inconveniences that you have um, of tenants knocking on your door and, and things like that. Yeah, I feel like that's the problem though. Everybody wants something, but they want it for free or they don't want to have to put in the work, right? Yeah. And if there's one, you know, single thread throughout all of the interviews that we've done so far is that everybody that we've spoken to has been willing to put in the work. And in the early days, especially, you really have to be willing to put in that work. And, and I don't know that there's really two ways around that in the early days. I think once you get, you know, further along in your investing career, that can change. But I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta do that in the beginning. Absolutely. I think people have the, the concept that, that having tenants is supposed to be completely passive. And right. if you start out with money, then you don't have to put in as much time. You can hire out a lot of the work so that it's not so much of a, a time stress for yourself. But unless you already have that money where you can make that type of, you know, more passive type of an investment, you're going to have to put in the time and the work. And it's really, really difficult but I often say that passive income is built on the blood, sweat, and tears of active income. And for me, it was so 10 true. years of blood, sweat, and tears before I really became completely you know, financially independent, able to leave my W-2, and, and doing really well financially. So let's talk about that a little bit. I'm curious to hear about where you are at now. So all these 10 years, blood, sweat, and tears, what did that look like? And tell us about that journey. Sure. So, you know, we started out investing at the top of the last market cycle before the 0809 crash. And so even though I had been trained to learn about traditional investments and how to make wise investments once you had money, I had very little understanding or training about economic cycles and what, you know, how to make sure that you know what's coming and that you take that into consideration for your risk. So, you know, first of all, because we started a business with so much debt at the very top of a market cycle, 
and it was in healthcare, we never, ever could have anticipated that we were going to have a correction that my company, I worked for AIG, and AIG almost went under. They took a several billion dollar, you know, government loan to help, you know, slow down the crisis and other dominoes falling. So I was very quickly going to lose my job. I was the sole breadwinner. We had this business that was starting out and then healthcare changed. And so reimbursements for my husband's practice were cut almost two thirds within a year or two. And really, we had to figure out how are we going to survive. So we thought we had make these wise decisions. We thought it was going to happen very quickly that I was going to be home with my kids, which was part of why we started the business so that I could be. And, you know, the, the economy impacted us in a way that we really never could have dreamed of. So my investing journey was really slowed down a lot in 08 and 09 because I had to give my job everything I had. I had to help my husband with his new business, which, you know, he wanted to be a doctor. He didn't have any training on finances and accounting and running a back office. He just wanted to see patients. So I kind of stepped in and ran his business at night and then did the tenants at night and worked during the day. And oh my my God. I found out I was pregnant with a third child a week after I found out I might be laid off. And it was just really, oh. really, really difficult. But the one thing that I discovered during that time is that we cannot count on always having a W-2. And we cannot count on being an entrepreneur always going well. And we cannot count on the economy and what it's going to do. But my real estate was the one thing, the few properties that I had, was the one thing that was really stable. My rents didn't go down. My tenants continued to pay rent and had a place to live. And so I figured out that if I want to be able to be financially independent one day and home with my kids, which was my main goal, I'm going to have to continue to find a way to buy more real estate so that when I'm laid off, which I thought was going to happen within a year, I would at least have some more passive income coming in so that I could maybe take a pay cut or work part-time while I tried to help us dig out from under all of this debt. So it was a long journey working for AIG. Banks dried up. Banks did not want to lend to me for real estate. So as much as I had these great plans on paper, I'm going to buy all these properties the bank said, you work for AIG and you have three quarters of a million dollars in debt. Like, yeah. we're not going yeah. to give me another penny. And so I had to really get creative. And there were a lot of ups and downs where I thought this is never going to happen for us. It's, gonna, it's too hard. It's going to take a long time. But really, my, my journey was just, I've got to play the long game. And anytime I can find a property or find a way to, to fund it or finance it, borrow, you know, private lending or buying banks that would say, yes, I'm going to keep doing it until it pays off. And so fast forward, it took about five years for banks to be able to start saying yes again. So six years ago, once the bank said, okay, we'll let you borrow, but only for properties that are only local to this area so that we could take them back mm -hmm. if things don't go well. I did mm -hmm. that and I found some properties through seller financing. And once I had, in about three months, I had three new four-unit apartment buildings under contract. I knew I can actually do this. And now I just need to make a methodical plan to buy, you know, 12 to 15 units a year. And in five years, I'd be able to, you know, quit working and be financially independent and just live on that rental income. Mm -hmm. What a valuable gift that um, that was back in 2008. I mean, as terrible and devastating as it was, right? 
Everything was crumbling around you. You were potentially going to be laid off and your husband's reimbursements were, there was a lot of uncertainty there. The economy was crumbling, but here you are, you've got that rental check every month. And it's, it's a complete game changer and it's an eye opener. And you, I mean, even though, um, you had all those unfortunate circumstances around you. I mean, what a gift to have seen that, that early on to see the power of that real estate and how steady and stable it is. And so then you were able to, as the economy recovered, you were like ready, you were ready. And, and I love that you used all these creative strategies, even in the face of banks, maybe not lending or not always being on your side, right? Not always agreeing with your plan, but you had that plan. You could see it working and you knew that that's where you were headed. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, I've never termed it a gift, but I really like that, Annie, because I really look back and say, I'm so thankful that I went through what I did because it Mm -hmm. gave me the grit and the determination and the wisdom to be able to say, I can figure this out. And it's just a matter of not giving up. And when you don't have any other options, you're kind of forced to get creative. And so by not really having many other options, you know, I moved from a big city to tiny rural Pennsylvania. And the the idea or the likelihood that I was going to find another really well-paying six-figure job from rural Pennsylvania was really slim. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I've got to take, you know, the, the bull by the horns and just figure this thing out. And I'm just so thankful that that I stuck with it and that I did because it was a long journey, but it's it's paid off and you know now is is beyond what I could have ever imagined ten years ago. So I'm curious. You were seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. You said you did some creative deals, or, or you got you had to get creative because banks weren't lending to you. So what did that look like? Like, can you tell us a story or two about? Because I'm sure there's people who are listening, thinking to themselves like. This sounds great. And I, you know, maybe they're in a position where they can't get financing for whatever reason. And, you know, and or they want to be ready for the next recession when maybe, you know, getting a loan isn't so easy. So tell us about that. Sure. So I knew that it was very, very difficult to try to go after properties that were listed on the market and to make an offer and say, I want to do seller financing. Every time I tried it, every broker said, absolutely not. You know, they want their money, they've got to pay off their real estate commissions. And I had read about owner financing, but I had never really tried to do it or target off-market deals. And so I knew I need to start researching that and I've got to figure out a way to, to learn it so that I can try to put it into practice. And I decided to go to a real estate investor meetup, just a local RIA. And I had not been to one for five or six years because I was just too busy. And I went to this meetup group and a gentleman stood up that night and said, I have a three unit property that I want to sell. And it was in my town. And so I walked right up to him and I said, I'm interested. I buy. I have a home And would you be interested in talking about seller financing? And he said, sure, I, I'd, I'd entertain it. So I went to see the property the next day, sat down with him at coffee, made him an offer. And I gave him all of the benefits that I had learned of how seller financing could help him help preserve or delay his capital gains and help him to make an income off my interest payments until I paid him off. So I, I knew the information. I was used to talking to people about money from my, my career, um, but I was a little terrified that he was going to say no. And he said yes. And I was like, oh my goodness, this was so easy. 
And a couple weeks later, I re- he referred me to somebody that wanted to sell that was also older. And he didn't sell to me, but he referred me to another seller who was also retiring and said, you know, I know this person just did an owner finance deal and it'll delay your capital gains. And I met with him and did the same thing and talked him through how it could benefit him. And he said, okay. And within (laughs) about two to three weeks, I had two four unit apartment buildings under contract. One was a three, but it had a potential fourth unit that just needed a kitchen added. And then I knew I could make it a four, a four unit apartment building. Were you scared at all? Like, you know, whenever I get a yes, like very quickly, and then somebody calls their buddy over and is like, here, we got a buyer, I would be like, okay, wait, what am I doing wrong? Like, is there something on my forehead that I don't know? Like, I would be nervous that maybe there's something I'm missing. And these guys are like, yeah, take it. Like, you know, she's going to buy it. Take it I wasn't head. really, Julie, because I had already owned a couple of units. So before, right as everything was crashing, before the banks really dried up, one thing that I did was I borrowed from my 401k for a down payment on another four unit. So before this time, I actually owned two four unit buildings, one of which we had lived in, and then the the mixed use. So I Mm -hmm. had enough buildings and enough couple of years of experience and what it looked like, you know, to, to have to redo properties and what kind of things goes wrong. And I had really been educating myself. I read a lot of books on owning and managing small rental properties and what to look for. Um, And my husband had learned construction uh, to learn how to handle our stuff. I mean, we did everything in the beginning. So I hired an inspector and we just kind of used what I had learned from my own small properties to, to make us comfortable with what we were buying. We'll get back to our conversation with Anna in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com invest. And now, back to our chat with Anna Kelly. 
So you bought these couple of properties and then how, where, where are you at now? How did you go from that to where you're at now? Cause I know you're not buying four units now. Right. <laughs> so, you know, again, the four units for me was a, by nature of two things. One, I still didn't have a lot of money. And mm-hmm. two, I knew that really I had to invest in my backyard because I still had a full-time job. By this time I had four children My husband still had a business that was struggling and we had a few more units. And I knew that I just can't buy anything outside of my market where I can see it, touch it and be involved. And what Mm -hmm. was available to me that other investors weren't going after quickly were these four unit apartment buildings. So Mm -hmm. I knew that I really couldn't take down larger commercial and I knew a little bit of syndication, but to be honest with you, I didn't know enough about it at that time or I might have started to go down that path. So People were really going after singles and duplexes and they would not last. People were flipping them. But these four unit apartment buildings would sit on the market for several weeks without bites. And so I could go in and be almost the only buyer and get a really good deal on these properties. So I knew it was a niche in my market that I could go after. And I I just pulled up tax records and I started looking for owners of these four unit buildings that had owned them for a while and started mailing handwritten letters that says, I buy four units. I'm a a mom. I'm looking to be home with my kids. And this is what I do and my way to do it. And I was very honest. And I had people call me that just said, I'd love to talk to you. I love what you're doing as as a mom and as a a real estate investor. And so Mm -hmm. some of my deals just came through those types of deals. So that's why I started with four unit buildings. Basically, I created a five-year plan. So my plan was I need to buy 12 to 16 units a year bringing in, you know, 250 to $300 a door net after all expenses and all um, reserves. And that would be enough for me to replace about $150,000 to $180,000 a year in my income. So mm-hmm. I knew if I did it slowly and methodically, it would take me five years and I'd be able to retire. And it took me five years exactly to get that much rental income coming in from four unit buildings. And basically mm-hmm. what I did is kind of the Burr method, but on four unit buildings. So I buy it distressed, we'd update all four units, we'd put in new tenants, and then we'd hold them, you know, for six months and refi and Mm -hmm. take that money and use it as a down payment for the next one. So it was wash, rinse, repeat without any money out of our pocket other than equity. And in five years, I replaced my income, but then I had a lot of lines of credit and business credit card debt on 0% and things like that, that I knew I need to pay this off before I can retire. So it was actually four years to replace the income, I'm sorry, and then another year to pay off all of the debt so that I could retire with nothing but mortgages. So in May of 2019, not quite a year ago, I retired from AIG. I made it through the crash. I never got laid off, probably because my job was extremely complicated and hard to transfer. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it was great to be able to say, you know, in May, I'm, I'm walking away. I'm actually retiring, taking my retirement and being able to then, you know, decide what I want to do with my time during the day. Because, you know, my prayer and my desire when I started was to be home with my kids And by the time I actually was able to get it done, my kids are all in school. And so stay home mom for me looks different now than what it did before, you know, in my mind. And so I, as I, as I prepared to retire last December, about this time last year, I said, I need to figure out what I want to do with my day during the day because my kids are in school. I could sit back and really relax and eat bonbons and not make any impact (laughs) on life. Or I can say, 
from eight o'clock until three o'clock in the afternoon, I've got time now that I've always wanted. And I can see what I want to do with my time, how I want to give back with my time, and how I now want to create generational wealth instead of just financial security. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about that. What does that eight <laughs> to three look like? I, I mean, I know, I know some of it, but tell, tell our listeners what, what you spend your days doing. And this is you know, so amazing to have the freedom. And this is what we talk about all the time, that when you are able to make these investments to be able to free up your time to find the things that you're passionate about, I think is what we're meant to do. Yes, so tell us, what have you chosen to do with that time? Sure. So, so back last year, I knew that I had always wanted to get into buying larger multifamily buildings. I just, as we said, didn't have the means and didn't feel like I had the skills or the time to figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't think that people would invest with me when I didn't have any money. So, mm-hmm. you know, about a year ago, I started looking into how can I start taking down bigger properties and make yeah. bigger chunks of cash. And also, as a quick aside, I grew up in Section 8 housing in Texas. And so from about 15 years ago, I was working with inner city youth and I really had this desire that one day I want to go back into apartment communities and I want to be able to pour into the lives of kids and single moms like myself. So it had been something that I had always wanted to do. And once I had the means where I had the time and I had, you know, created a multi-million dollar business and been able to say, I can now spend my time how I want, it really became important to me that I figure out how I can not only buy bigger multifamily for the additional wealth creation that it provides, but so that I can then go back and pour into other people's lives. So I knew, you know, from a year on before I retired, my goal is going to be to build up, you know, bigger multifamily properties and eventually be able to go in and buy the types of properties where I might not make quite as strong of a financial return, but where Mm -hmm. I can really make a long-term impact on their lives. And so I have been just chasing larger multifamily deals that make sense In the last year, I've done 200 units with two partners that are joint ventures. So the three of us own 200 units here in Pennsylvania. Wow. And then I've syndicated my first two apartment complexes in Atlanta as part of a a syndication where I'm part of the GP and then I'm the asset manager for those properties. And so that's been, you know, what I've spent most of my time the last year on. Part of it has really been trying to spend enough downtime to really just be and yeah. figure out what I really want. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, this last year has been a lot, a big step <laughs> out of my comfort zone. Trial uh-huh. and error. You know, there's all these things that I think I want to do. You know, people for years have been saying, will you coach me? Will you coach me? Will you coach me? And I've done it and I've done it for free in the past. And so now I'm like, okay, I want to start coaching people because I care about people and especially other women. I want to be able to show them how to do what I did. But yeah. I quickly became overwhelmed again with my time mm-hmm. where my kids yeah. and my husband were like, mommy, you're traveling, you're speaking, you're coaching, right. you're, on the phone. you're supposed to be retired, you're doing these deals and you're working as much as you did. And I said, okay, there's so many good things I can be doing, but I've got to figure out how to pull it back and how to back into how do I spend my time purposefully during the day and what two or three things are the main thing that I do And then if other things come in, if I can fit it, I will. But if I can't, I don't. And so I'm fully committed to continuing to grow my multifamily business, to help people more by speaking at events than coaching. I just decided to stop coaching where I did a lot of that this last year um, because of the, the time, you know, that it took away from my family. So I'm really just kind of figuring it out and saying, Here's my non-negotiables. Three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm done. I'm done with work. If I can grow 
between eight and three, I'm, I'm all in and I'm going to do everything I can to give back and to, to build some of these communities and then start pouring in, you know, creating programs to pour into the lives of, of these kids and these single moms. And that right there is, I mean, I think that's the epitome of living a life by design. I mean, here you are Mm -hmm. almost a year ago, you were able to retire from your job, which is incredible. And then here you are with all this time. And then you had to figure out what you actually wanted to do with that time. And as Julie said, you know, that's what we're always talking about at Investing for Good is, you know, they always say that money doesn't change you. It amplifies who you are. And you can tell that, you know, with these additional resources of both money and time, it amplifies who you are. And from, you know, you've come full circle, essentially, from your journey um, growing up in in Section 8 housing, as you mentioned, to um, starting out with rental properties and house hacking and the 2008 recession. And now here you are and you're able to give back to others. And so that is it's an incredible, incredible journey. And we commend you for all of the hard work that you put, you put into that. Thank you so much. You know, one thing that I always try to to get across to people when you hear my story is really, if I can do this, anybody can, it's just Mm -hmm. a matter of making wise financial decisions and playing the long game and doing whatever it takes, you know, within reason to, to be able to get there and, and to achieve that. And there's going to be ups and downs in life and in the economy and, Things are going to, some deals are going to go great and some deals are going to go poorly and you just have to keep going. But I, I do, when you said, you know, 2008 was a gift, so much of my life has been, you know, highs and lows and highs and lows and highs and lows. But I've been able to look back and say, wow, like, look where I am today. And all of mm-hmm. these bumps are really what's helped me to be a better investor, a more compassionate investor, and to have been able to get where I am so that now I can give back and pour back. So, I'm I just feel incredibly grateful and blessed. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the the commitment part of it is such a big piece because you're not going to get to where you are or where anybody else is that's finding success in real estate without being committed. And I know that when I first started my journey officially to become a real estate investor, it was because I was committed. And it was because I also had to go through, you know, difficulties at home with my third pregnancy to realize that nothing else was more important. And I will find a way and this is going to happen and things are going to go wrong and I'm just going to tackle it as it comes. And I'm going to get knocked down. I'm going to stand back up and I'm going to keep going. And that's how you do it. And that's like, you know, and you got to have that, you got to have that perseverance and that, that grit and that, yes, I'm going to do it kind of attitude. So I think it's number one. I think it's, it's the most important factor in success is, is grit and resilience and being willing to play the long game. And speaking of that, just real quick. So are those the lessons that you're hoping that your kids will take from all that you've done? Yes. You know, my, I have a 16 year old now. So the one that I tried to get home for, you know, to be home with, he's now trying <laughs> to figure out what do I want to do in life and where do I want to go to college? And it's like, oh, this time has gone so fast. And Aww. so we're really, you know, spending a lot of purposeful time with him over the last several months and this year to really help him to think differently than just I'm going to go to college. I'm going to work a W-2. One day I'm going to retire. And, and the same thing that we think what we're supposed to do and trying to help him to think differently. Number one about 
what is his real purpose? What does he feel called to mm. do? Like, what did God make him to do as yeah. a person? And I mm. said, you know, you don't have to love real estate because he's seen the good, bad, and the ugly. Before he was like, I'm never going to own real estate. I'm never going <laughs> to. And we're like, dang, we've got this big portfolio. One day, hopefully you will help us with and, and be the benefactor of, but you have to learn to handle it wisely and, and to make wise financial decisions and to be compassionate. And so we're really pouring into him to teach him. Number one, you've got to be able to find other ways to create income that allows mm. you to do what you love and are passionate about, no matter how much money you will or will not make doing what you're passionate about. So it's just an additional resource to have that wealth that allows you to live the life that you feel like you're you know, desiring to do, whether that's real estate or not. And then two is being able to be resilient and realize that life has lots of ups and downs, but you really control how you handle all the ups and downs. And it's up to you whether you succeed ultimately or whether you wilt, you know, like a, a dying wildflower when things are tough. And so resilience and, and making wise financial decision, thinking about purpose and creating his life by design rather than by what the, his friends and his school say he should do um, mm -hmm. are two of the big things. And then just, you know, loving, loving other people and being kind and compassionate. Um, I think those are the main lessons we're trying to pour into him. So I'm curious, you have younger children, so you have four kids. Tell us about some other strategies really quick about what you're doing to teach them about real estate. Sure. So yeah, my kids are 8, 10, 13, and 16. So there's a wide gamut of, you know, their maturity mm -hmm. level and what they think about money. Um, we do play the cash flow for kids game. So we've been playing that quite a bit. So they're learning about assets and liabilities and they're crying when they lose the game because <laughs> they had these liabilities they didn't right. want and they spun the wrong. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's really how real life is. So if we try to play games and teach them, you know, the younger ones through games, um, and also through just little things, you know, we always talk to them about money and making wise decisions. So things like when they get, um, do their room, some of their friends get allowances and my kids don't get an allowance. They mm. have a responsibility to take care of their own room. And if they do something extra, I pay them a commission. So I say, okay, if you do extra work, then you're paid for that extra work. And if you don't, then you're not paid for that extra work. So the smaller children, it's, it's things like that. The bigger kids, I am starting to talk to them really about the real estate and passive income and learning to delay gratification. So things like we lived in the four unit apartment building, you know, all of our friends had big houses and we probably could have too, but it would have added that extra layer of stress. So, you know, my son is 16. He wants a new car. So we said, you're not going to have a new car till you can buy the new car. So right. what we will do is we will help you to get into your first investment property. And that will be what we give you instead of a car. And yeah. the money that you make from cash flow from that property, you will be able to use to make your car payment. So right. just teaching them that buying assets that pay for your liabilities is the wise way to, Ugh, to do it and to delay that. that gratification. You know, you don't have to get a new car just because all your friends have a new car. One day you're going to be the millionaire and they're going to be struggling in debt because you're going to make wise financial decisions and passive investments that are going to pay, you know, for your lifestyle. 
Assets that pay liabilities. Oh my God. (laughs) Kiyosaki at its best right there. (laughs) That is everything. And that is, you know, over the, for me, you know, over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, it was like I was in this mode of trying to build and build and build. And now I'm at a point where, you know, I can kind of take a step back and do the life by design thing and travel and spend time my kids and all of that while I was watching, you know, some of my friends pouring money into expensive weddings and travel and all these kinds of things. And, you know, and, you know, that's, that's what happens. And they're still working and, you know, it's, and I'm on my way to not working as much. Right. And that's why, you know, just making those wise decisions, I think, you know, 80% of the population, truly, it might be even more than 80% of the population is still living check to check, doesn't Mm -hmm. have a $5,000 checking or savings account for emergencies and has 70 to $80,000 debt on average, you know, where they're, they have a negative net worth and it's because people aren't educated on how to invest and how to make these wise financial decisions, which is part of why I love what you guys are doing with Good Egg is teaching people to think wisely about what you invest in and create that passive income, whether you're, you know, the operator buying you know your own properties or whether you're investing pa- passively in those properties, mm-hmm. just figuring out ways to, to master your money instead of having your money master you, I think is key. Master your money. Speak it. <laughs> yeah. There you right. go, Anna. Oh, yeah. man. So many good nuggets there. Um, all right. Well, should we move into the investing for good impact round? Let's do it. Right. All right. So question number one, and I, most of these questions I feel like we've already answered, but we'll ask you anyway. Um, investing in yourself, what is one way that your investments are allowing you to live a better life? Really just the fact that they enabled me to retire, you know, at age 44. I feel like I've got the gift Ooh. of 21 years of, you know, advanced retirement <laughs> that I can no longer have the excuse that I can't take care of me because I'm too busy to take caring of everybody else and working 80 hours a week. So I'm really um, purposeful because my investments are giving me that passive income that I don't have to go to work, that I now have control of my time and I need to use that time wisely to work out again and to you know do healthy meal prep every day and to really start taking care of myself physically. When to be honest with you, I put myself on the back burner for many, many years or I was inconsistent in taking care of myself. So being able to just get my health back and to lower my stress level by really being able to say three o'clock, you know, my time is for my family. And until then I need, you know, I can live my life um, low stress doing whatever I feel like I love to do. And I just, I want to make sure that the, the listeners understand this part, which is you retired at 44, but it's not like, it's because you stockpiled all of this cash and you're like counting down the days and you're like, well, I, I'm only planning to live until 80. And if I live till 81, then I'm going to have to, to figure something else out, right? Like you retired at 44 because you were able to get, you know, build this portfolio of these assets that will pay you and will hopefully continue to grow your net worth yes. over time, even as you don't work a W-2 job, which that is Absolutely. the power of passive income. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And even if you're not around, God forbid, right? But if something were to happen, your family's lifestyle would not have to change. Right. 
Right. <laughs> That's one of the things that you know, we've been working on, you know, with, with our financial advisor is, you know, if something happens to me, how do we make sure everything's structured in a way that it continues? And, and it will, you know, I don't have to worry about a 401k running out or a retirement fund running out or being on social security or Medicare, whether that's going to be there in the future. It's, this is like clockwork checks come in every month. Somebody always needs a place to live and, and they will always be okay and, and well above. Okay. It's just so powerful. There's nothing like real estate for creating and maintaining wealth in this country compared to any investment that I know of. It's amazing. And if anybody's listening who had any doubt about whether real estate was something they need to look into, that this is it right here. I mean, if there's no other reason, it's for that. To know, to have that peace of mind, to know that, you know, money's coming in and you don't have to worry about that for life. (laughs) It's like winning the lottery. It's like (laughs) the way to win the lottery right there. And it's not by chance, it's by hard work and perseverance, you know, and being committed. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Um, Okay. Second question. This one is my favorite. Uh, Investing in others. So what is one hack or a secret thing that you can share with our listeners that will help them change their trajectory in their investing uh, journey? Sure. I think, you know, one of the things that I'm really committed to is is just telling people that this is real, that it's just um, a matter of taking action and taking baby steps. You know, you might not feel like you have the time or the money to, to buy a, a big apartment building. But if you will just be committed to taking baby steps to wherever you are today, finding a property or an opportunity that you can find that will bring you in another couple hundred dollars a month. It doesn't have to be, you know, one slam dunk hundred unit apartment building. In fact, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but, but take baby steps and educate yourself make a goal of I'm going to buy one rental property. Or if you don't have, um, if you don't want to do that, but you've got, you know, retirement accounts and you're already, you've left a job and you have an IRA, maybe invest passively in another deal, but do something every day to figure out how can I take what resources I have, whether that's time or money and take a step every single day to move closer to creating some passive income, then eventually you will. And just, you don't have to have it all figured out, but you've got to get started. I think that's it right there. You don't have to have it all figured out. When I talk to all the women that I talk to every day, I I get this sense that they feel like they need to have it all figured out and that they need to know that they that this is the right deal. It's going to be the right deal and everything's going to work out. And they're afraid to make those mistakes. And I think that women need to be told that it's okay to make a mistake. You will make mistakes. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. Annie's made mistakes. I mean, it's going to happen, but the important thing is to dust yourself off and get back up again and just keep keep going for it because over time, you're going to learn from those mistakes. Absolutely. And over time, life's going to give you different challenges and different opportunities. But if you have, it's just like when we tell our clients, you know, dollar cost average into, you know, whatever mutual fund you're, you're going into. If you just keep making investments over time, it all kind of is supposed to even out. The same thing with real estate or with investing, you know, passively in deals as well. You make an investment and you just get into the habit of I'm going to do something to make that next investment. Some are not going to go well and some are going to go really well. But that that momentum that you build over time and that compounding of what happens once you have one and then two and then three and then four, it is incredible how, how fast it moves if you're just committed to taking baby steps and staying with it for the long term. Yep. Absolutely. 
All right. Last question. So it's investing in the world. So what is one way that your investments are helping make the world a better place? Sure. So locally here in Pennsylvania, I just try to be a really good landlord, you know, to my tenants. Um, I've, I've been where they've been. Um, I've had an opportunity to talk to some of them who, you know, flippantly think that I'm just wealthy and I don't care and I don't understand. And I'm able to say, listen, I grew up in apartment complexes. I lived in my own apartment complex 10 years ago. I understand where you are in life and, and being good to my tenants is something that's really, really important to me. And then as I, as I go and as I grow and I've had opportunities to, you know, meet people at some events that I've spoken at really in this last year, some doors have opened up for me to be able to get together with some other investors. There's a a group that we're starting, uh, I'm starting on the board of called kingdom minded investors, where we are a, a group of Christian believers who want to be able to go into communities and have other um, resources, other resources in the communities like Children's Hunger Fund or some of these churches that are willing to go into the communities and start after school programs for kids or or give them the opportunity to get to church if they want to go. Um, Young mother programs, you know, programs where they can teach computer skills to single moms to help them to find better jobs. So that's something that I'm super excited about that's been on my heart and vision for a long time that I'm, I'm just excited to see that come, you know, come to fruition um, over the next couple of years. I love that. Changing the mm-hmm. world, one apartment building at a time. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anna, that. you are such an inspiration with all that you are doing to help others and to be good to your tenants and to teach your kids. You know, we've talked about a lot, but I'm sure our listeners are going to be hungry for more. So what's the best place they can go to learn more about you and all that you're doing? Sure. So I have a Facebook group, which is Creating Real Estate Wealth That Lasts with Anna REI Mom. And really, I just post kind of, you know, nuggets to help people to inspire them to keep going and to keep investing on their their journey. I also have a website, which is reimom.com, where you can go to hear about, you know, different speaking events that I might be speaking at or different um, investment opportunities that we might have that you could potentially invest in as a passive investor. Okay. Well, you heard it for all the listeners. Be sure to join that Facebook group. We'll have the link in the show notes and um, definitely check out all that Anna is doing. Anna Kelly, founding partner of Zenith Capital Group and REI Mom LLC. Anna, thank you so much for your time today and sharing all of your wisdom with us. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast, and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.